twins. They sit in the last booth along the front window. A smallish booth, only room for two. Christmas gifts in bags at their feet. Dusk beyond the window. Shortest day of the year. Winter solstice. Eerily warm out there. Muggy. More August than December. The diner, mostly empty. Too late for lunch. Too early for dinner. The dead-tired UPS driver eats a grilled chicken sandwich at the counter. She consumes cup after cup after cup of black coffee, banters with the waitress, who happens to be her twin sister. They both recently broke up with their men. The waitress, after growing sick and tired of her husband spending nine months a year in the wilds of northern Maine chainsawing trees to death. And the UPS driver, after finding out her boyfriend, was a two-timing piece of lying shit. The dead-tired UPS driver says to her sister, I'm going to quit this crappy high-stress job and, and, and move to the islands, to Jamaica, or I'm going to smoke dope and drink rum and screw the brains out of everything that moves until, until I run out of dough. And the waitress, who smokes a cig and to hell with you if you don't like it, says, You go, girl. I mean, how much satisfaction can you get delivering Amazon packages? Someone should cut the balls off Bezos for destroying the world. You should do whatever the hell you please with this one life you get to live. Back in the rear booth, the man says, Look, all I'm saying is, I didn't ask for this. I'm not counting, the woman says, but I'd guess that's right around 50 times you've mentioned that. Yeah, okay, but I mean, next year I turn 50. 50's the new 30, she says. I read it in Cosmo at the hair salon. My back didn't feel like this at 30. <laughs> you and your back, best buds. Hey, he says, you try living with chronic pain. Well, she says, maybe, maybe 30's the new 50. I never thought I'd be 50. And now... So much left undone. Here I am. You know, you've led a very self-absorbed life. What the hell does that mean? Please don't raise your voice, she says. We both agreed to have this little chat in a public place so we wouldn't lose our shit and start pointing fingers and screaming at each other. I don't point and I don't scream. Oh, of course you don't. You know, you don't, you don't even like me. Oh my God, please, no, let's not go there. It's true, he insists. I often wonder why we even bother. I mean, seriously, you don't like my politics. You don't like my taste in books or movies or restaurants. You think I'm self-absorbed, and I know, I know for a fact you think my mother spoiled me rotten. Hey, all true, she says, but I do think you're cute, at least when you're asleep, and when you're just a wee bit stoned or a wee bit drunk, you're an absolutely fabulous lover. You make my toes curl. Well, whoop-de-doo, what about the rest of the time? She smiles and shakes her head. Forty in a couple years, twenty years of dating, more than twenty. She's seen and heard it all. Every crazy male trait in the universe, stupidity, cluelessness, condescension, cruelty, edginess, passive aggression, obsessive compulsion, violence, conceit, mania, childishness, complete lunacy, good lord, a little self-absorption, child's play.
The rest of the time, she says, I simply ignore you. When you lecture, I pretend to listen. When you rant, I meditate on the perfection of my navel. And when you criticize, I remind myself that it's nothing more than your insecurities. Well, isn't that all wonderful to know? The truth, she says, will set us free. Look, I just don't want to be, you know, he thinks about it. I don't want to be bogged down. Oh, God, it's not life that bogs you down, Alan. It's all the monkey noise in your head. Monkey noise? Isn't it absolutely crazy that we, you know, humans, were designed without an off switch? He shrugs. He's used to her going off on crazy tangents. Impossible to know what might come out of her mouth next. She's just entirely incapable of not saying whatever comes into her head. He finds the trait endearing most of the time when she's not vomiting up what she thinks of him or their relationship. He says, an off switch would be pretty cool. I mean, you know, she says, there's, there's meditation, there's alcohol and drugs, there's your weed and your Ativan and your Dizepam, your Lexapro and your Valium and your Jack Daniels, and on and on, but an off switch. Now that would put all that other crap out of business in a heartbeat. He smiles. He doesn't smile often. Smirks some when he unleashes his sarcasm upon some unsuspecting lout, but smiles, eh, not so much. You know, you have a point, he tells her. I mean, we can turn off everything else, TVs, phones, cars, laptops. Why not our hyperactive brains? She laughs. She laughs easily at the world and especially at herself. Exactly. It's a design flaw. God fucked up. An imperfect creator. He eats his last bit of pie. Even though earlier he said it was overly sweet, bland, and slightly stale. So, you know, listen, you're, I mean, you're 100% sure? About what? About, you know, seriously, Alan? Seriously? She doesn't like the name, Alan, but it's his, and he hates Al, which would be better, but, but not much. Okay, 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 I know, you're sure, but well, it's just that I, I, I haven't learned to fly yet. I've always wanted to learn to fly. You hate to fly, Alan. Getting you to make the two-hour flight to Fort Myers is like asking you to go to the fucking moon. The F-bombs flying out of the back booth have attracted the interest of the twin sisters. But Fort Myers is different, he insists. That's where your mother lives. And Africa. I still need to go to Africa. For years, I've wanted to do an extended trip of Africa, a real adventure, up the Nile and all that. Oh, good God, Alan. It's taxing to get you down to the beach for the afternoon. I don't like the beach. Sunscreen, sand in my hair, sand in the car, the infernal sun. Oh, I'm sure you'll just love darkest Africa. I, I, ha I haven't even been to the Grand Canyon. The perfect family vacation spot. He rolls his eyes. Don't talk to me about family vacations. Oh, I, oh, I know. Yours were a misery. Hell on earth. She's heard his complaints about his unhappy childhood a thousand times, but it's all such malarkey. He has a brother and two sisters, mom and dad, all tight as ticks. Not like her family, with its endless drama and deep-seated antagonisms. Alan, she decides, to be perfectly honest, absolutely candid, is a curmudgeon. 
There, she said it. Well, okay, she didn't say it. Not out loud, but she thought it. And she might say it. In fact, she's going to say it. (laughs) You're such a curmudgeon, Alan. A regular killjoy. You can take the joy out of eating a piece of homemade chocolate cake. And Christmas, oh my God, this will be our sixth Christmas together. And you know what? You know what, Alan? I don't think I can take another one. In fact, I know I can't. (laughs) What are you babbling about? Christmas, Alan. I'm babbling about Christmas. I can't spend another one with you. I just, I just wouldn't be able to bear it. He looks at her, eyes shocked, mouth agape. She squeezes herself out of the booth and stands. Wait, 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 wait. What what are you doing? She opens her purse, pulls out a 20, tucks it under her coffee cup. Lexi, I can't, Alan. I can't do it. Not with you. I can't live with you anymore. I thought I could, but I can't. Jesus, what? What Wait a second. Where's all this coming from? She laughs horribly and shakes her head. For Christ's sakes, Lexi, talk to me. She bends down and retrieves her bags filled with Christmas presents. She feels sad and okay, a little anxious, but somehow liberated. She says... Quite calmly, actually. I can't raise these babies with you, Alan. These twins. I can't. It's not fair to me, and it's certainly not fair to them. Lexi turns and heads for the exit. The waitress and the UPS driver, her new best friends, smile and offer high fives. <laughs>